Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to another edition of Alternative News brought to you by Andrew Irving from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. Welcome to the summer break repeats of the best of Alternative News from 2015. This week we welcome Bert Blackburn back again for part two of his interview from the Gippsland Conwack Farmers Coal Seam Gas Campaign. Well, in fact, apart from the movie that was made a few years ago about the situation in the United States. There's a lot of community groups in a number of countries around the world that have investigated what the industry will do to the environment. And, uh, you know, it's not just Australia, it's not just the United States. There's a, a number of investigations that have been undertaken and they've found that there's huge risks associated with this industry. Well, that's right. We, in fact, organised a, um, a Wyoming farmer to come over and address um, our coal seam group in sale, and he explained just that. And, in fact, the groups down here in Gippsland have made its three films now about this whole question. In fact, we've got a launch uh, Wednesday of this week uh, in Lee and Gatha tomorrow night of um, another film, uh, which highlights all those uh, risks that you indicated. Um, I, can I also say that um, we're very, very pleased that local South Gippsland group down here where we live, the uh, coal seam gas-free Merbu North group, has just won the state's peak Environment Victoria Award for their work against coal and, and coal seam gas. So um, it's been a huge issue down here and there's been some tremendous recognition of uh, the people in South Gippsland, the struggle that they've put up. And we'll continue to uh, to educate the communities, you know, via films, via actions. We had a rally only six weeks ago in Melbourne, a thousand people turned up. And so, and it's all taking up those questions that you've raised, the questions of the impact on the environment, the experiences overseas, the experiences in Queensland and in New South Wales. Another argument or threat, really, that the uh, CSG companies have raised is the question of gas prices in the eastern states and the impact if they're not allowed to mine. What comments do you have on this question? Yeah, well, it's one of the biggest claims that uh, some coal seam gas companies and the, and the peak body, the AWPEA, have been making is that uh, the expansion in coal seam gas extraction can stop gas prices from rising, particularly in the eastern parts of Australia. Now, this claim is completely uh, misrepresents why gas prices are rising, and put simply, because the world price of gas is much higher than the Australian domestic price, the gas industry would prefer to sell gas to foreigners than keep selling it in Australia. And previously, they had no way of exporting Australian gas extracted on the east coast, but uh, three big export facilities will soon be ready for business in uh, in Gladstone, in Queensland. And when these export facilities are completed, gas producers on the eastern side of Australia will have a choice. And they can sell gas to domestic customers or to foreign customers. And they will pick which customers they sell based on the price. 
And once connected to that uh, world gas market, the only things that can change the domestic price-wise will be the things that can change the world price. And so if more coal seam gas is extracted in Australia, this is not going to have a material effect on the world price and in turn will do nothing to reduce the price paid by consumers in our view. Well, in fact, the gas industry internationally has been heavily impacted on by the very low oil prices and a a number of the companies have gone to the wall basically because there's just no money in the international market because all of the gas prices have been dragged down by the low oil price. So I know that there's been a number of the CSG companies that have been merging here just to keep their head above the water. Yes, that's right. That's right. So, but, but the question is, it's now going to be tied to the international market. So there's nothing to suggest that because we're extracting more in Australia, it's going to drop the price for domestic people. So you're absolutely correct. And that's what's happened because of the oil price. Just to finish up, Bert, I want to raise a question of the alternatives to CSG extraction. Do the Gippsland communities aren't just objecting to coal seam gas industry, I'm sure they're also suggesting alternatives to this business. Yes, look, down near where we live we have a huge number of wind farms and um, they're working very, very well. So wind and solar, in our view, is the way to go. South Australia has probably been the lead house on this. They've been highly successful in attracting a significant portion of the investment wind energy in the country due to the state's world-class wind resources and uh, streamlined approval processes. And, and look, during 2012-13, South Australia produced 31.5% of the state's total energy production from renewable energy. And so that's the way we think things should go. Margaret and I have just come back from overseas, trip through Europe and places like Germany. You're driving up highways and there's paddocks and paddocks of solar panels and wind farms. So there, there clearly is an alternative and um, we think there's, there's so much more that can be done here in Australia. Now, since December 2009 has been the South Australian government's policy that all government-owned buildings constructed or substantially refurbished after July 2010 have had solar systems installed. Government-owned residential buildings are required to have a minimum of 1.5 kilowatt solar systems and all other government-owned buildings are to be have a minimum of 5 kilowatt solar systems. So, you know, it's pretty important that we come on board with some of the developments overseas and uh, particularly in South Australia because they're getting better all the time and particularly on the storage question. I also know that there's the new potential industry which has taken a little bit of time to come on stream which is wave and sea energy and of course down Gippsland Way there's huge potential for that alternative energy to come on stream when they start developing plants to actually bring power on shore from wave energy so I'm sure that's also on the horizon. Yeah, well, it's interesting you raise that, Andrew, because here in Conlake at our Australia Day breakfast this year, we had a, um, a scientist come and talk, Ron Barnacle, who explained that um, what they're doing with wave energy. And in fact, they've had to go offshore to Ireland to uh, undertake a lot of this research. And uh, so, I mean, clearly, wave energy, the great thing about wave energy is that it's there all the time. It's uh, it's constant. So there's no question that there are alternatives there that are available and they don't harm the environment. They don't have long-lasting damage and uh, you don't have to repair all the damage afterwards as, as you do with coal mines and coal seam gas and so forth.
for our listeners, CICD listeners, um, but also the general public, how can they help the campaign against CSG? Well, we think it's pretty important if they can uh, if they can write to the state government or email the state government, uh, particularly the Premier, Daniel Andrews, and the relevant minister, Lily D'Ambrosia, and just say that what they think, just explain their concerns. They can certainly join Lock the Gate if they would like to do that. If they go online, they'll get all the details there. We've got some cards which we can make available if they want to uh, send a letter to uh, a card, postcard to the Premier. We can make those available and uh, and also to the um, leader of the opposition, you know, opposing the uh, coal seam gas mining and uh, new coal mines. So there's a whole range of things. Letters to the editor, get on radio talkback. All those things are terribly important in the campaign to ensure that our children and our children's children have a, uh, a, a clean environment into the future. And just to be clear, have you got any... Uh websites or telephone numbers etc that people can contact to get some more information yes if they go on to the uh, lock the gate victoria website on the uh, on the internet if you just go into the search engine yahoo or google it'll come up Uh, there's uh, plenty of brochures the films that we've produced down here are on youtube and they're free and you can copy them. There's no um, no copyright problems there, and they can distribute them to their local communities or to their churches or to their environmental groups and so forth. So if you go on to the Lock the Gate site on the internet, you'll get all the information you need. Okay, well, that's all very interesting, Bert. I know in talking to you on a number of occasions that you're a a well of information about these questions and uh, you and Margaret are very strong activists in a number of areas, including this. So it's always very refreshing to hear about what you're up to and the issues that you're working around. So thank you very much for coming on to CICD Alternative News and we hope to speak to you again. Thanks very much, Andrew, for the opportunity. This week, Alternative News also presents a news bulletin with shorter stories. The Turnbull Liberal government has put an increase to the GST on the table again. At the same time, they are considering cutting tax rates for corporations and the wealthiest Australians. This represents a renewed attack on working people and low-income earners and our living standards. Even worse, the Liberal government wants to raise the GST and broaden it, which we know will disadvantage the mass of the Australian people. It would mean that we pay more to fund tax cuts for the corporations and rich. Increases to the GST would disproportionately affect low and middle income earners. The Liberal government's only talking about cutting taxes and cutting spending on education, health and the services provided to the Australian people. There is nothing wrong with paying taxes provided everyone pays their fair share. We will be reporting on the Liberal policies and their effect on most Australians in the coming weeks. Why does the government of the United States hate the Syrian President Bashar al-Assad? It is because, as we're told, he's a brutal dictator. But how can that be the reason for the hatred? It would be difficult to name a brutal dictator of the second half of the 20th century or the 21st century that was not supported by the United States. Not only supported but often put into power and kept in power against the wishes of the population. 
At present, the list would include Saudi Arabia, Honduras, Indonesia, Egypt, Colombia, Qatar and Israel. The United States is hostile to the Syrian government for the same reason it has been hostile to Cuba for more than half a century and hostile to Venezuela for the past 15 years and earlier to Vietnam, Laos and Cambodia, to the Dominican Republic, Uruguay and Chile and so on continuing through the World Atlas and history books. What did these governments have in common can be summarised in a single word, independence. Independence from American dictated foreign policy, their refusal to be a client state of Washington and insufficient respect and zeal for the capitalist way of life. Russia, Iran, Iraq and Lebanese factions have each supported the Syrian government. For this, all four countries have been sharply criticised by Washington. The United States overthrew secular governments in Afghanistan, Iraq and Libya and is trying to do the same in Syria. So they have been giving impetus to extremist groups like ISIS. Barack Obama in March of this year said that ISIS is a direct outgrowth of al-Qaeda in Iraq. They grew out of our invasion, which is an example of unintended consequences. The United States has bombed ISIS in Syria, but has used the same occasions to damage Syrian infrastructure and oil-producing capacity. US policy in Syria in the years leading up to the 2011 uprising against Syrian leader Bashar al-Assad, which began the whole current mess, was designed to promote sectarianism and the goal of regime change. The US Secretary of State John Kerry declared on October 22nd that in resolving Syria's civil war the country should not be broken up, that it must remain secular and that Syrians should choose their future leader. Well, all of which actually describes Syria under Assad. Then Kerry continues to say one thing stands in the way of being able to rapidly move to implement that and it's a person called Bashar al-Assad. Despite repeated pledges not to put boots on the ground in Syria, President Obama has now inserted 50 US special operations troops into the country, with more to follow. This is done without the agreement of the Syrian government. US A-10 Waterhog attack planes have also been moved into air bases in Turkey close to Syria. Hillary Clinton, who has called for arming Syrian rebels to bring down Bashar al-Assad, is urging Obama to establish a no-fly zone. Listen in again next week for an interview with Bruce McPhee, a long-time member and leader of the CICD, currently a resident of Vietnam and formerly a Vietnam War conscientious objector. Thank you for listening to Community Radio 3CR. Tune in again next week to another edition of Alternative News. I am Andrew Irving, looking forward to your company next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.